1: Support us, support the show, and enjoy an ad-free listening experience.
0: Waywardradio.org slash ad-free. Thank you. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Grant Barrett.
1: And I'm Martha Barnett. Well, unless you've spent the last few months in a galaxy far, far away, you know that this is an election year. And that means we're being barraged by even more political talk and punditry than ever.
0: Tons of it. And I love collecting it, Martha. Even the even the stuff that's not related to the election year. For example, do you for know example? what hog housing is in South Dakota?
1: <laughs> I can't say that I do. Hog housing in South hog Dakota? Hog housing.
0: It's, it's their slang term for when they've got a bill that's all approved and then they gut it. They rip out all the things that have been approved and they rewrite it to do something completely different. It's also known as a gut end stuff in Oregon.
1: But. Wow. Well, is there any other political slang that's catching your ear these days besides fire it up?
0: Well, you mean besides all the wordplay about the name Huckabee? Oh,
1: um, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tons of that. I mean, you could write a book just on play. You know, or a limerick. On, or, yeah, yeah. Freud, it was one that I heard. Um, there's oh, I like one that, that I like that they're using on the right to talk about, you know, the very conservative people are talking about John McCain. They're saying that he is pandering. that is, he's pandering to Hispanics. Whoa. Yeah, not a very nice one. Um, we've also got horse racism. Do you know what that is? No. It's not bias against Duns and Palomino's. It's just a term for the way the media covers politics. It's about the horse race, right? They treat it like uh, we're at watching the ponies at Belmont or Bay Meadows.
1: Oh, really? Or Louisville. Wow. Yeah, I like that. Horse horse racism.
0: A horse racism. Yeah, and you've got the little pun in there about racism, right?
1: Absolutely. That's great. Well, if you want to talk about political slang or grammar or slogans or language, give us a call. The number is 929 9673 Or email us. The address is words at org.
0: Hello. You have a way with words.
2: Hi. This is Kate in Indianapolis. Kate in well, Indianapolis.
0: Hello, Kate. What you doing?
2: I have a word um, that's been a, a bone of contention between a friend of mine mm-hmm. and I. And the word is... Moot.
0: Wait, before M-O-O-T. you go any further before you go any further, is there money on the line?
2: No, there is not.
0: Dinner respect?
2: Uh perhaps uh respect, self confidence, those sorts of things. Okay. Does
0: the loser like have to be a slave to the other person for a day or something?
2: <laughs> uh we'll see how it turns out and then then we'll determine that. Ah, uh, I see. Make the rules up later. <laughs> Good plan. Good right. plan. Yeah, right. Okay. So right. the word
0: is moot, M O O T.
2: Correct. Well, it's been a standing debate for many years, actually. This friend is a musician, and when he uses what I think should be the word moot, he uses mute, M-U-T-E, in its place.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Is he a trumpet player? Does he stick a moot in his trumpet or something? No, in fact, he's a piano player. (laughs) He's a piano
2: player? He's a piano player. Okay.
0: He uses the mute pedal.
2: (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) He said, well, you know, it makes the sound less. And so it, it, it makes sense to me that in order for it to be an unimportant sort of thing or a, a less important thing, you could it's a muted point.
1: Okay. And what do you say, Kate?
2: I'm thinking that he's completely wrong, that moot is the word. And I even made up a little sentence to illustrate the point. Oh. Let's hear it. Although the staff was quite perturbed, the fact that the trumpeter had forgotten to bring his mute was a moot point, as most of the residents of the retirement home were nearly deaf.
3: Ah,
0: that is very good. You've used the word accurately in this sense. So, so the, sh- the short version of this is, you're the winner.
1: Yay! It Yay! Is, Congratulations!
2: It is not. In that case, pronounced. I think the slavery thing should be. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope you'll be benevolent, and you're, in
2: <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can the... make
1: him serenade you or something. Let's just something, itemize yeah. all
0: the ways your friend is wrong here. Um, it's not <laughs> mute. It's not mute. It's moot. It is. And moot. It, okay. And it has nothing to do with muting a musical instrument at all. Okay. And, and it's not I've... about that at all. It basically means, it's an adjective that means irrelevant or insignificant. Um, This is largely the North American usage, however. There is a British usage, also used Uh in the United States, so there's two meanings that still don't apply to what she's talking about that means debatable or in dispute or unresolvable, but the use you're talking about here is irrelevant or insignificant. Great. All right.
2: Well, I shall uh, call him up and inform him of his new status. Yeah.
0: This is one of those things that's, (laughs) it is indisputable. That your friend is wrong, right? <laughs> There's no argument here.
1: Indisputable. All right. Well,
2: thank you very much. All right. You, you stay sound warm. like you're
0: glowing from being right. It's the, <laughs> I, uh, am, the
2: I am. I am. Absolutely. Beauty that comes I'm, from being I'm victorious just A couple degrees warmer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Thank you for your call, Kate.
2: Thank you. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.
0: I love this. This reminds me of an episode of Friends, Martha. Did you ever watch that when it was on?
1: Every once in a while.
0: Joey Tribbiani in this show is kind of a, a, you know, lovable goofball. He's not that bright, but he he means well. And there's one episode where he says something like, um, does he like you, all right? Because if he doesn't like you, this is all a moo point. And Rachel, played by Jennifer Aniston, says, a moo point? And he says something like, yeah, it's like a cow's opinion. It doesn't matter. It's (laughs) moo
1: a moo point. <laughs> a
0: moo point. I mean that's, that's one of the funniest things that I don't I never oh, watched man. the show that great, but they were running that particular bit as a as a promo for a while and it cracked me up every time.
1: Oh man, we should try to find it on YouTube or something.
0: Yeah, we'll post it on the website as always.
1: All right. If you're having a debate about a word, give us a call. The number's one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three or email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org.
0: Hello, you have a way with words.
1: Hello.
0: Hi, who is this?
1: This is Mariana from Argentina.
0: Hello, from Mariana. Argentina.
1: From where in Argentina? In Buenos Aires. Oh, Buenos excellent. Aires. Well, what are you calling us about today, Mariana? Well, I'm calling about um, the word love.
4: L-O-V-E? R-I-E? Yes. So my question is this. When I lived in the States, uh, for me it was strange that you know, when people talked about friendship to, or to an acquaintance and you feel a positive feeling about that person, the only word that you, was used was love. And the fact is, in Spanish, we have many words for, like, different degrees of love.
5: Mm-hmm. For
4: example, for somebody you just met, like a, a, a slight acquaintance, you can say, lo estimo, which is sort of, a, sort of a, I don't know, a mellow kind of love. And then you have a stronger, for, like, lo aprecio which mm-hmm. is you know a little bit stronger than estima, estimar mm-hmm. and then you have for for a friend you have lo quiero which is a, 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 a higher degree of love and then for like your 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 partner or, or 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 your kids or your parents you have te amo which is i love you
5: mm-hmm. so you have like
4: four or five different ways of saying love instead of only one
6: mm-hmm.
4: and uh you know, I felt like an Eskimo trying to describe
6: snow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you make a good point because in English we use love in so many different situations. You know, I love my children. I love microwave frozen lasagna.
0: But uh, that was what I was thinking of when you said lo estimo and lo aprecio, uh, is that they're they're roughly equivalent to the English words esteem and appreciate, but they're not quite the same. The nuance is a little different. Martha, I mm-hmm. think that... I would say I esteem you as a colleague, but I love you as a friend, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And, and there's a that the esteem has that professional remove that uh, you would never really use that for for even a friend or a family member. Is that is that the way? But that you But how about an
4: acquaintance? It? And you really enjoy their company, but you're not so you know you don't love them. Mm-hmm. That's a
0: really good question. I think that we're a country of overstating the case. We mm-hmm. tend to love adjectives. Uh, and we use all the extreme and most um, powerful adjectives that we can to say something. I would probably say, she's great. She's awesome. She's fantastic. She's fabulous. But you're and not, I, you're not describing say, how
4: you feel about her. Well, I know. You're just describing the, her. Right.
0: Well, that's that's exactly time. right. I think we tend to be a little more removed. It's kind of related to that personal space, isn't it? We talk about our feelings about the object. We don't talk about the object.
4: Because when, when you talk about appreciation, isn't that about a, an object and not a person?
1: Well, it could be about a person. But I, I think what you're pointing out is is that in Spanish, maybe there are more gradations, um, almost like, uh, I, I don't know, like a scale or, or yeah. something. Yeah, and we don't have that quite so well defined in English. I, I think mean, we
0: have it, but it's hard to match the Argentinian Spanish scale to the North American English scale. You could do a spectrum of words in English, and, and I would put them something like respect, esteem, appreciate, to treasure, cherish, like, treasure, adore, love. One. And mm-hmm. I think there's a kind of a, an increasing level of, of love there. And I don't know. I,
4: I, Actually, I feel very uncomfortable saying to a friend, I love you. I never do. Oh, really? Oh, no. What do you say? Not in English.
1: Not in English? <gasps> what do you no. say in English?
4: Nothing. I, I make them see that I love them, but I never say it uh-huh. because it, I don't feel comfortable using the word "love" for a friend.
0: I think you're very American in that regard. You've picked up oh, that yeah. habit. Oh North it. American. Yeah, <laughs> North American. You know, I do. I, I do tell certain people in my world that I love them, but it's a very small group of people.
4: Yeah, I, yeah, but you, you would say "te amo" to very to even fewer. That's what right. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. And we I
4: use "I love you" for me is "te amo." But you said something really
0: you said something really nice Mariana and I think this is true in Argentina as much as it is in the United States which is we express our love so often through our actions that sometimes the words aren't necessary
1: That's
0: right. How we treat the other person, how we show respect for them and do that, things yeah. for them, right?
1: Right. Yeah, well Mariana, thank you for a very interesting call about nuance in language. Thank you. We loved having you on the show.
4: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. We cherish <laughs> you very this much. call. We appreciate the time you spent with us.
1: <laughs> we adore the fact that you called. Okay. So ciao. Okay. Ciao. Oh, ciao. Well, send us love from any country. The address is words at waywardradio.org, or you can always call us. The number is 1-877-929-9673. Grant, I was nosing around your website, Doubletongue.org, the other day, and I was looking for some examples of political slang. And, you know, I saw an expression there that's been around for a few years, but it seems more useful than ever these days, and that's barbecue stopper.
0: Oh, yeah, that's an Australian term. It means a serious issue that causes people to stop what they're doing so they can talk about it. So if you bring something up, say, about the war or about... Um, some political scandal where people tend to be very polarized. And sometimes it's used to mean a faux pas. It's when you bring up a subject that is verboten, especially in the company that you're keeping.
1: Mm, Sort of like dropping a tray in a cafeteria and everybody just stops and turns around.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like being at Nixon's funeral and talking about Watergate.
1: (laughs) Wow. So a barbecue stopper. I love that. And not to be confused with a marmalade dropper.
0: What's a marmalade dropper?
1: That's something that you read in the morning paper that just causes you to drop your toast.
0: Oh, right, because it hasn't passed what news people call the breakfast test or the Wheaties test.
1: Oh, uh, what What do you mean?
0: They try to make sure that the stuff in the morning papers or in the morning television shows isn't going to gross you out or make you uh, upchuck.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't think it's so much a matter of upchucking. as a matter of, holy cow, did you see that, Ethel? <laughs>
0: All right, it's like Chuck Shepard's News of the Weird.
1: Yeah, exactly, right. I guess.
0: Anyway, if you've got a question about words from near and far, you know, I'd love to talk to somebody about Australian English again. I always love those calls. Yeah. We welcome them. The number to call is 1-877-929-9673. Or email us, we read everything, words at waywardradio.org. Coming up on A Way With Words, a word puzzle from our quiz guy, and more of your calls.
1: You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Martha Barnett.
0: And I'm Grant Barrett. And joining us once again is our quiz guy, John Chinesky. Hello, John. Hi, Grant. Hi, Martha. It's great Hiya. to be back. How Hi. are you?
3: I'm doing really, really well. What's sticking out of your pocket there? What is sticking out of my pocket?
0: A puzzle, I hope. A quiz. Book oh, that's or something. right. Oh, it's yeah. a quiz. Yeah, it's yeah. a quiz in you my got pocket. You brought us
3: a
1: quiz. Yeah. Oh. It's, uh,
3: well, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of movies. I, uh, I get a lot of movies uh, in the mail, and I'm, my wife and I sit and we watch movies at home, basically because with the two kids, we don't get to go out anymore. So we have a giant TV, and we make make believe we're watching the movies. So we love movies. Do you guys know what a movie tagline is? Uh, I don't know. Is that no, like so just you when the- you
1: thought it was safe? Exactly. exactly.
3: And that's well, okay. exactly right. The tagline is sort of the subtitle of the movie's title. One of the most famous taglines is the one you just mentioned for uh, Jaws 2. All right. And uh, if you would say it again, Martha, you were so so good.
1: Oh, Thank you. Just when you thought it was safe to go into the library.
3: <laughs> go back into the water. <laughs> it's a right? way with words, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, just when you thought it was safe to go back into the water oh, is back Jaws into 2. The water. That's right. Yeah, I love it when studios get creative with their movie taglines. For example, last summer there was a movie with the tagline, One Nation Underdog. <laughs> now, that movie was underdog, naturally. Oh, I, I oh. thought that was an especially creative tagline. And uh, what's cool about some taglines is that you don't have to have seen the movie to figure out which movie it is. You just need a flexible mind, which I think you both have. I'm going to give you a tagline, and you try to figure out the movie title, and I'll give you plenty of hints. Are you ready? Yep. Okay, here we go. The tagline is, this summer, evil meets its moose. Oh, these are real taglines? These are real taglines from real movies, yes.
1: Oh. Uh, this
0: Evil Meets Its Moose was it the Rocky
3: and Bullwinkle movie? The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle <laughs> exactly. A 2000, year 2000 mostly live action film based on the animated television show.
1: Right, hey, big trouble for Moose and Squirrel.
3: Moose and Squirrel. <laughs> Here's the next one. The tagline is See it with a bud.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is got. Could be any of a number of films, but. Uh, right. This is Selma and
1: Louise. Be, no, no, Cheech
0: and Chong, oh. something or other.
1: Oh, no, that kind Smoke of. Smoke a boy. big one
0: or whatever the name of it <laughs> was. Okay, you're, you're, in
3: the, you're in the general area, which is probably a parking lot. Uh, but I'll give you some more clues. <laughs> the it's a parking an, lot at a Grateful Dead concert That's right. Oh. This is a 1993 film that takes place in 1976 and chronicles the lives of high school and junior high students on the last day of school.
0: Oh, is Matthew McConaughey in that? He is? Yeah.
3: What is the name of that movie? Um, Parker Posey? Anthony Rapp?
0: Oh, I know the movie, but I can't remember the title. It's
3: ah. blank and blank. Because Matthew McConaughey plays the older kid who's graduated who still hangs around
1: Keeps the school, hanging right?
0: hanging out
3: in high school, yeah.
1: Oh. I'll
3: have
0: to Not throw the
1: cards over on this dumb one. Dumb and yeah. Dumber? No. That's no. us. Close.
3: It's Dazed and Confused. Very oh, beautiful. Yes, that's it. Yes. Also you, Dazed and Confused. That was a great movie. <laughs> yeah, it was very really nice. They just really nailed the
0: period, didn't they? They
3: just got it exactly yeah. right. All right. Let's, let's move on. The tagline is, his story will touch you even though he can't.
1: Um... Well, gee, that's—I I was going to say the diving bell and the yeah. butterfly. That's, no. a, that's
3: a good guess, but diving bell and butterfly just came out. But this is yeah, a nineteen. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, this is a an Oscar nominated nineteen ninety film starring Johnny Depp. Oh, Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands, oh, right? right. Of the story yeah. will touch you. I just watched his latest
0: movie, even though he can't. The Sweeney Todd movie. It was pretty good. Sweeney Todd. Pretty I enjoyed good. it very much. You know, he's very,
3: very fits very well in those dark movies. All right, let's move on. The tagline is. Hear the pictures, see the music. It contains no dialogue. It's another 40s? Disney film.
1: Is it Fantasia? I don't know. It I
3: don't is know. Fantasia. Oh, is That's it? Right. Okay, yeah. beautiful.
1: Not that it's... I've seen it, but I've heard about it.
3: Hear the pictures, see the music. Of course, if you see the movie with a bud, you could probably hear the pictures and see the music. <laughs> any, any movie, you could hear the pictures <laughs> and see <laughs> the music. All right, here's another. The tagline is, you can run, but you can't Hydra.
1: Oh, my goodness. Is there some Hercules movie or something? That's the
3: movie. It's Hercules. It's <laughs> Disney is that film.
1: Sylvester Stallone? The... Who is it? No,
3: no, no. This no. is the uh, 1997 animated film. All right, I got one more. Here we go. The tagline is "Get back to your roots."
1: Uh, does it have to do with the hair? hairspray yeah. hair? It is hairspray. Is it? Very good. Right <laughs> out of the gate. No. Good
3: going Martha. It was a 1988 movie musical which became a stage musical and it was remade into a musical in a uh, movie musical in 2007.
1: Right. So I think the key here is you don't have to have seen the movie you just have to like puns.
3: No, Again. yes, exactly. If you're a fan of uh, of uh, of wordplay, you will be a fan of I like that of...
1: movie too. Ah,
3: yes. I <laughs> Well, is that it? Is that all you got for us? Good times. We vanquished you, Mister. <laughs> yes, that's a dozen. You guys did very well, except for one. I, I did get one out, out from underneath you, but
1: we vanquished you, Mister.
3: Yeah, that's what I said. Is that Come another on, lady. movie line? No, that's my line. Okay. I speak like movies. Hey, they I call like me Mister Quiz. <laughs> call me. Very Kismel. good.
1: <laughs> well, John, thank you very much.
3: Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure. We'll see you soon. Bye, bye.
1: Bye, bye. And if you're puzzling over a movie tagline or a word origin or a point of grammar, give us a call the number 1-877-929-9673 or email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org.
0: Hello, you have a way with words.
6: Hi, this is Suzanne from Indianapolis.
0: Well, hello, Suzanne. What's going on?
6: Well, I have a question. My husband and I have been obsessed with all of the election excitement, and um, there have been a lot of caucuses or... Cauckeye, which may be a separate question about the plural about caucus. Cauckeye, I like that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that. But, um, but our question is after watching all of these caucuses and everyone talking about how many, um, how they're predominated by a lot of white people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is there a relationship between caucus and Caucasian? Because I'm thinking, well, hello, if there is, of course they're predominated by Caucasians, because that's a related term.
0: Now, wait a second here. The Caucuses tend to be held in states that are mostly white anyway, right?
6: Well, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like is there Iowa. a
6: reason that caucuses are in predominantly white states? Well, now that I don't know, but I can tell you
1: that the words aren't uh, etymologically related at all. These are, this is a pair of words that's sort of like... Um, You know, they they look alike, they sound alike. It's sort of like bark on a tree and bark from a dog. They have two different, completely different roots. They just happen to look like maybe they're related. Mm. The Caucasian part is pretty straightforward. The area known as the Caucasus, the mountains that are between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. In the 19th century, um, a lot of theorists were suggesting that the race of fair-skinned people must have come from that area and so caucasian got associated with fair-skinned people the caucus in this country the political kind of caucus has that word has an origin that we're not completely sure about it, it's an
0: east uh, eastern native american language though probably right like algonquin or something that's
1: one of the theories that it comes from uh, a native american word that means to advise or to talk together, to meet. But we're not completely sure that that's the origin. It may just come from something called the Caucus Club uh, in the 18th century in Boston. But the truth is that we can't say for sure about the origin of the political caucus. What is clear, though, is that it doesn't have anything to do with the Caucasian race.
0: Wow! Except that there are a lot of okay, them
1: Okay, so
6: Iowa. I think we're all safe now. <laughs> yep. I'm feeling yeah. well, because I was worried that there was going to be more tension around this issue, so I'm feeling good about it.
1: Oh, good, good. Well, I'm yep. glad we could help you out there. Yeah, yeah. so disabuse anybody of that notion if they try to uh, tell you that.
6: Okay, great. All right. Thank All right. you so much. Okay, Thank you. Take, take
1: care. Bye-bye, Suzanne. Thank- Bye-bye. Bye. Well, if you'd like to caucus with us, give us a call. The number is or email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org.
0: Oh, political language, Martha. I could talk to you about this all day. Do you want some more? Please. There's one that I came across recently called Glass Pockets. Can you guess what those are?
1: Glass Pockets? It sounds like something on a, a Vietnamese restaurant menu.
0: <laughs> right. Angel hair, glass, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, something like that. Glass okay, noodles gotcha. and, you glass know, noodles. stuff there the shrimp in there. Yeah. No, that's not it. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm wrong? No, no. Oh, yeah, this has to just, do with politics, one, right? Just this once, yes. It has to do with politics. <laughs> just this once, you're wrong. Um to have glass pockets means to spend money in a way that is transparent to the public, right? Every dollar should be explained and accounted for. It kind of goes along with the idea of the sunshine laws, which is supposed oh, yeah. to make the internal workings of government accessible to the public.
1: That's great. I love it. Well, if you picked up a word on the campaign trail that you'd like to share with us, give us a call. The number is 9673 or email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org.
0: And I just want to say, don't call us and just shout Ron Paul into the phone because (laughs) it's not going to do anything.
1: Yeah, stop doing that.
0: (laughs) Hello, you have a way with words.
7: Hi, this is Carlton Bailey from Lakeside, California.
0: Go ahead. What's on your mind?
7: Well, you know, probably the last year or so I've been hearing these probably radio ads mostly that uh, refer to growing a business, and it just grates on me. Mhm. You know, to me, uh if you're going to grow something, you're a farmer and you're growing crops or you're growing a lawn or flowers in your flower bed, but you increase a business, you don't grow a business. Mhm.
1: And that just strikes you strangely, huh?
7: Yeah, it, you know, I know it the grand scheme of things it doesn't matter to a hill of beans, but uh it just irritates me. <laughs>
1: Isn't there some kind of Gary Larson cartoon where somebody has a chicken farm and the guy's planting chickens in the ground?
7: You've got me. (laughs) (laughs) That's really growing your business.
1: (laughs) Kind of the same idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. I've heard this more and more and more. And when I first heard it, Carlton, it drove me nuts. It just uh, for exactly the reasons that you said.
0: But you've changed your mind about it. Is that what I'm gathering?
1: Um, I'm embarrassed to say that uh, that I used it the other day, Carlton. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. It just slipped out of my mouth. So I think it's probably becoming more accepted. And, and we do use agricultural terms. Oh, because
0: if Martha uses it, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, though. And i got to say, Carlton, I, I I can see where it's a problem. Mm-hmm. But I, you know what I like about it, Martha? And maybe this is why you've come around to it. It's just kind of nurturing or uh, uh, mothering, Right. It's a little more about the human side of business. If you use a word like "grow" instead of the kind of dry. Well, increase.
1: Grant, maybe we should say I'm suckling my business. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or oh, you're watering your business and then <laughs> reaping what you sow.
1: Yeah, I think there's just something weird about using "grow" transitively for a business. That's what you're saying, right, Carlton?
7: I guess so. It, you know, like I say it just it just doesn't sound proper to me uh, to grow a business. You know. You don't
0: think of it, it as more humanizing?
7: Well, yeah, I think you've got to be uh, alive oh. somewhere, but you know, an old business I'm not sure is alive.
0: But, but a business is made of people, and I think saying something like grow suggests the kinds of things that you mentioned about growing, growing uh, crops or a lawn or um, anything with chlorophyll or anything that you might actually eat. I don't know. It, it sounds... It's less about robots or interchangeable parts or widgets. It's
7: more Well, about I suppose people. if you said, you know, we would like to uh, help the business to grow.
0: All right. Well, I'm sure we'll get emails agreeing yeah, with you. Yeah, we're going to hear about this. But you know what? You're welcome to gripe, and we're we're glad to hear it. Thank you for calling, Carl. Well,
7: I'm glad to have a place to call.
0: All right. Take care call of yourself.
1: Call us anytime. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. If you want to get something off your chest about language, the number to call is 1-877-929-9673, or you can email us. We do read all your emails. The address is words
6: at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, my name is Estella, and I'm from San Diego. Hi, Estella.
0: You've got a question about language. I'm, I'm guessing.
6: Yes, I do. I was. My husband and I were having a conversation with our son about mm-hmm. um, words and about um, prefixes and suffixes, and mm-hmm. and um, we came across a problem that we couldn't answer because we're trying to homeschool, and um, we noticed that certain words um, like teacher and professor they have different endings, like they have er ending if. For teacher or an OR ending for professor. And we're trying to figure out how, why that is. And there's other words like conductor or, mm-hmm. um, that ends with OR and, and, um, and singer which ends with ER. So how do you take, you know, these verbs and, and make them into like professions that people have? And mm-hmm. how do you decide whether or not it's an ER or an OR? And I came up with this crazy idea that it has something to do with status or prestige of the career that, you know, if you're a professor, that's, you know, more status than a teacher, so you would have an OR, and, you know, a teacher having less status would have an ER. But I came across a, a an anomaly to my theory that, you know, well, I'm going to say it, but I hope nobody is offended. But janitor ends with O R, and it's not you know well, anyway. So we're trying to figure out how how do you decide which is E R and which is O R?
0: What a very good question. Hmm. I don't I don't think I've had this question before, Martha. Have you no, eaten?
1: I don't. I don't think so. I was going to say we're radio announcers. No, that doesn't. <laughs> <mean>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah. See,
6: that's an E R, right?
1: I'm afraid it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I look
0: at my paycheck every two weeks, and yes, it's definitely (laughs) an ER. (laughs) Well, Stella, here I got a couple things. I'm going to throw some. You're you're a teacher. You're homeschooling your kid. You have one or two children.
6: I have two children, children. and actually, I'm a professor by career. (laughs) All right. So so you're you're
0: professor, and you have a couple of kids. So I'm going to be a little wonky with you and throw some some language jargon at you. All right. You ready for this? Stand back. The nouns that you're talking about, for example, professor and teacher, are called agent nouns. Okay. And they have endings, the E-R and the O-R, that are called agentive suffixes. What that means is the suffixes make words about people who do a specific thing, like profess, so to speak, or to teach. Right. Now... What you've done here by trying to determine whether or not status has something to do, whether or not the end with an ER is OR, is something, this is the third and final wonky term, is it's, you've made a play with something we call principle of contrast, which is we often, in our own minds, when we're trying to process language, we think that because words are spelled differently, or because a part of a word is spelled differently, that it must have a different meaning. And we work really hard to differentiate. And the truth is there isn't always a meaning that uh, can be derived from spelling. The OR and ER here actually mean exactly the same thing. They just mean they take a noun and they turn into a person who does something. That's it. There's no – the status doesn't have anything to do with it, all right? So then why
6: not just make it easy on everyone and just have it be ER for everything?
0: Well, let me Why call up the uh, a- English Language Academy and and just bellyache <laughs> those guys because they've done a horrible job of making the what a malformed beast we speak.
6: Well, you know, I heard that there was, you know, that there's Latin-based words and ah. then there's German-based words and well, and there's a status in- difference there That certain. Well, words... I
0: don't I don't I don't agree with that status difference. Oh. I don't. You are on to something though, generally, but not always. Latin-derived words, for example, uh those that ends in a- in a t e like negotiate, will take an O-R ending. And generally, but not always, those that we get from Middle English often have E-R endings, but not always. There are exceptions, for example, from the words that we get from the French, like uh, restaurateur, entrepreneur, they mm-hmm. end in E-U-R. A doctor, and, right. And then there are a few others like uh, beggar or peddler or liar that end in A-R. Mm-hmm. So we have some exceptions here. But generally, if you know the etymology of a word and you know that has got a Latin root, like professor, then you can be pretty sure that it, that's why it takes an OR ending. Yeah, and, but
1: I'm all about etymology, and I think it'd be easier to just
6: memorize
0: yes, those yeah. endings. I know? mean, that's I, what
6: we do, right? But, right, you, know, I, you know, I'm trying to teach my child to have some kind of conceptual understanding about things, and, and you know, I'm like going, wow, well, why is it that certain words end with OR and why others end with ER? and I guess I should just go back and say, hey, just memorize
0: it all. Well, it might be a way to teach a few lessons about etymology, to make a list of O R professions and a list of E R professions and kind of look at those root words and say, this one probably comes from the Middle English or the Germanic side and this one probably comes from the Latinate or Romance side. Mm-hmm. And you can uh-huh. kind of like it's and it, then it might look be a new, up. That
1: would be yeah, interesting. It, it might yeah. be a way,
0: yeah, It might be a way to actually have a lesson instead of just memorizing stuff by rote, just right. to say yeah. give a few, little background. Um it might work. Well, I hope we've helped you a little bit here. It Don't did. forget um, that uh, in general, OR endings indicate a Latin etymology, and in general, ER endings indicate a Middle English or Germanic etymology.
6: Great. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thanks for calling. All right. Take Bye-bye. care of
0: yourself, Estella. Well, if you've got a question about professions and the words that they use, say jargon, for example, give us a call, 1 877 929 9673. And you can always email us, we read everything. Words at waywardradio.org.
1: Support for Away with Words comes from WordSmart, the vocabulary building software. Improving your vocabulary, reading comprehension, and critical thinking skills will increase your chances for success. Learn more online at wordsmart.tv. And from iUniverse, supported self publishing. Is there a book in you? Find out how to publish it at 1 800 authors or learn more online at iUniverse.com.
0: You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Grant Barrett.
1: And I'm Martha Barnett, and now it's time for Slang This, the puzzle where you have to guess the meaning of some strange slang terms. Today's contestant is Jaime Hernandez from San Diego, California. Welcome. Thank
5: you. It's great to be here. Yeah? As I'm really excited about participating, I've been looking forward to this.
1: All right. Well, Jaime, do you have a favorite slang term you'd like to share with us?
5: I do. It's an easy one. It's T-E-H-O. Um, it's what? T-E-H-O. T-E-H-O.
1: Do you know that one Grant I don't know is
5: that a Spanish word? No, most people would think that however we usually we usually use it at home when we can't decide what we want for dinner if one of us is not as hungry or if there's some nice leftovers from a restaurant, say, in the refrigerator mm-hmm. or we don't feel like cooking so we we say, well, tonight let's just Tijo it, and that means to each his own, so we don't have oh. to cook a big dinner. <laughs> That's very nice. Oh, that's yeah.
1: nice. It sounded and, like TiVo. I was confused for a second there.
5: TiVo, yeah. And it works. It's, it's not even gender specific because a woman could say it as well. <laughs>
1: Well, Jaime, let's move on to our game. Okay. Grant's going to give you a slang term, and then he'll give you three sentences that suggest what that term could mean. Now, only one of those examples will be real, and the other two are fake. So, Jaime, your task will be to figure out which one of those three sentences illustrates how this particular slang term is actually used. Now, chances are you haven't heard the word before, so the trick will be to puzzle out its meaning, and I'll be standing alongside you right here. Okay? Excellent. All right. Grant?
0: The first word is Karzy, K-A-R-Z-Y. All right. The first clue is, the best way to avoid getting drunk at a wine tasting is to Karzy. You sip, swish, taste, and then spit. The second clue. I went down to the Karzy to do my business, but some bloke had stopped up the loo with the newspaper and the place was a mess. (laughs) And the third clue. Before the electric slide and the hokey pokey, the Karzi was the dance everybody wiggled to at weddings. So, Jaime, is Karzi a method of wine tasting, a bathroom, or a dance that used to be a regular part of weddings?
1: Ooh, what do you
5: that's, think? That's a tough one. They all sound pretty good. Um, mm.
1: uh, Have you ever done the carzy at a wedding?
5: Um, no, if I did, I probably wouldn't remember doing it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What about the electric slide and the hookah Yeah, that, that, one I, okay. that one I can handle, yeah.
5: Mm. Um, I don't know. My first instinct was to go with the second one, but the first one sounds like it might be, might be good as well. Yeah, I know I've done a lot of wine tasting, but I've never heard that at the winery or anywhere else. So I'm going to follow my gut and go with the second one.
0: That's right. The answer is B, a bathroom or a loo or a lavatory. And, and there were two clues in there that it's a British word. I used bloke and loo just so you could kind of get the idea that mm-hmm. it's not something that most Americans are going to know. An interesting thing about this word is that there are a lot of spellings to it, tons of them. It's mainly a, an oral word, so it's also spelled K-A-H-Z-I, you know, because of the Brits. So they leave out the R, and so it sounds kind of optional, K-A-R-S-E-Y, lots of different ways. Uh-huh. All right, so we've got another one for you. Are cool. you ready? Let's go. All right. This expression is two words, and it's low bush moose, L-O-W-B-U-S-H, one word, M-O-O-S-E, low bush moose, okay? Okay. And the first clue, out back of the hut were low bush moose, the rusting hulks of automobiles that had been left there long ago. Hmm. Second clue. Police say the young hunters made sport of shooting in the direction of other hunters to scare them, jokingly referring to them as low bush moose. And the third clue, buck didn't come back with the big game we all expected. Somebody said, it's low bush moose again. I'm so sick of rabbit I could eat my boots. Uh, So, there are your three clues. Are low bush moose rusting automobiles in a field, hunters who were shot at on purpose by other hunters, or
5: rabbits? The visual of the first one is making me wish that it was the the correct answer. So I'm just going to go with that.
0: You're you're saying that it's the rusting
5: automobiles in a field. Yep. Kind of, they look like creatures mm. out there in the what, underbrush. What do you think, Martha?
1: <laughs> well, um, what's appealing to you about that?
5: Um, I I just saw a photograph once, and it was really really well taken, and was of a rusted car in a field, and with the oxida- oxidation of the rust and the flowers growing through it. It was just a, a beautiful photograph, and I remember that and. That's why I'm trying to make the connection.
1: Wow! And then did you did you think, gee, that looks like lowbush moose? <laughs> no,
5: <laughs> no. But well, let me analyze this. Is the fact that you're asking me maybe that's not the answer? Oh no!
0: <laughs> it, you know, game theory is a notoriously bad way to play this quiz. <laughs> game <laughs> okay. theory
5: tends to. Um, I, well, I, let me just say this: it's been it's been such a thrill just to be on the air with you both that. Whether I win or lose the second question doesn't really matter. This has been fun. So. <laughs> <laughs> but am I, <laughs> so, <laughs> but am no. I right? No.
3: <laughs>
0: no, unfortunately, it's rabbits. It's Rabbit, a term yeah. used in Alaska okay. uh, to refer d- usually to uh, long eared uh, or what is it? Snowshoe rabbits, actually. Okay. And um, you'll find it in some cookbooks from Alaska. And it's kind Ew. of a joking, jocular term. Well, the I- term, the idea is that, uh, you know, low bush, because rabbits are short, uh, and yeah. low bush moose. Uh, um, sometimes when you go out with your gun, you don't come back with a big beast. You come back with something small but still edible. So, okay, well, I've jackalope jackalopunny,
5: but I've never seen one of those. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a term we've used in the past on another slang quiz that's similar to this. It's the same kind of joking term, and it's slow elk. And these are cattle that have been rustled and shot and then carted away without the knowledge of the owner. Okay. Very similar, Ooh. I think. So anyway, you're, you're one for two, but the main thing was that we had some fun here, didn't we?
5: Oh, we certainly did, yes. This is fantastic.
1: Thanks. Well, Jaime, mean, thanks so much for playing today and for playing our game today. We're going to send you a whole book of interesting terms that I know you're going to love. It's Aaron McKean's book, Weird and Wonderful Words.
5: Perfect. I'll put it on the shelf with your books on, uh, here at home. That'll be great. Fantastic. And
0: if you have a question about language, give us a call. The number is one 929 9673
1: Or email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org. Hello. You have a way with words.
8: Hello, forget about it. Hey, Martha and Grant, the radio <laughs> show host. It's
1: well, Thomas hello. Corbeto
8: calling from right outside the Bronx, New York.
1: All right. We're at right outside the Bronx, New York.
8: Uh where? Actually, uh White Plains, New York. Oh, White oh, Plains, sure.
1: yeah. 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 I used to take the train up to Poughkeepsie
8: all the time. Oh really? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right up there on the beautiful Hudson River, that's- up the river from uh the city, yes.
0: <laughs> What's on your mind, Thomas?
8: Well, um, I thought I'd start this off kind of comfortable with the whole forget about it. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's kind of the same way that I would be speaking, you know, to my cousins at a family get together. You know, mm-hmm. I'm this uh, good Italian boy from northern Sardinia. Mm-hmm. Love my heritage. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, when my family came to America, um, and we settled there, right next to the good old Bronx. Um, my family, uh, my grandparents specifically, uh, told their children to forget Italian and to speak English.
0: Mm. Oh, that old story! What a sad story it
8: is, too. It sure is, you know. And it seems to be a common theme, you know, among Italian families uh, during that time, anyway. You know, when there wasn't much tolerance for cultures and ethnicities and so forth. So, you know, I don't speak much Italian at all, um, but. When my Italian friends and family get together, when we 're together, I speak a completely different dialect than i 'm speaking with you right now really yeah it 's like basically we reinvent the English language to suit like you know a robust and colorful culture <laughs>
5: mm-hmm.
8: you know I must say that when i 'm speaking in this way though you know I feel completely comfortable and and it 's almost like a euphoria, it makes me feel like I belong to something special
0: ah mm. yes, there we go there
8: absolutely. We go. You know, you guys should have heard the restaurant that I was in. You know, when Italy won the World Cup, you know, forget Mm -hmm. about it. Yeah, (laughs) forget about (laughs) it. Crazy place, absolutely. So so anyway, you know, I do have a question for you two goombas. All right? Oh, there was a question. Oh, wait, we're honorary (laughs) goombas. How about that? See that? Well, you know, it's a goomba. You're a friend. You're a friend. You know, it's a a friend that's not connected, right? A good person. So. So, uh, you know, it's this thing of ours, you know, that these two phrases that, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to get out is, uh, number one, it's uh, forget about it. Of course, we've heard that a million times. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and also, bada-bing, bada-boom. You know, bada bada bada-bing, bada-boom. Bada-bing, bada-boom. It just happens like that. So, you know, where do these tasty phrases originate, firstly? And possibly how many issues can we address with each one of them? And finally... Is this just a New York and Northern Jersey phenomenon, or do these colorful phrases find their way into Italian American vocabulary all over the country?
0: Wow. Uh, Holy moly. You've (laughs) asked for a dissertation. (laughs) I think I could do a a, a whole semester's course on this topic.
1: Forget about it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Forget about it. Forget about it. (laughs) Don't even think about it. Um, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something right now. Forget about it. We can take care of that one really quickly. That's not specific to Italian Americans. There are a lot of Italian-Americans that use it. It is often used by Italian-Americans in TV and film, but it's specific to New York. And these kind of mushed together words were recorded as far back as the 1930s by um, field workers for the Works Progress Administration. They have this whole list of stuff. Some of them are kind of joking, not authentic. But this idea that we talk fast in New York and that we lose the space between our words so that sentences become single words, it's it's been chronicled for, for what is that, 80 years now. It's It's really kind of incredible. Wow, so, awesome. yeah, so forget about it. it. actually isn't on the list that I know from the 1930s, but I wouldn't be surprised if it dates to about that part, all right? So in any case, so what's really interesting is that um, when you go look at the movies, popular culture, uh, television, like, say, the the books by Mario Puzo or Nicholas um or the movies, you know, Goodfellas, Godfathers, Casino, that sort of thing, you'll find that they... Uh, they used this kind of language that these two authors Puzo and Pelegi, took out of their life in New York City in the 1930s wow. and they made it seem like everybody was using that language but yet it was really only it really only belonged to them and their people you, you know what i'm saying thomas sure. And sure, so absolutely. they started using it and saying, well, this, this language belongs... And everyone else outside just assumed that all Italian-Americans use that language. And so you'll find these words and these sayings just kind of spreading that way. It's, it's really interesting.
1: So you're saying that, it, that Italian-Americans are picking up expressions like that from literature?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a weird self-reinforcing loop where, where the, these small little bits of language that really only belong to a small group of Italian-Americans actually are made bigger. By popular culture and other Italian Americans may even very well pick them up the same way that any normal American would because they sound interesting they're they're kind of kind of cool.
1: Well, bada bing, bada boom.
0: Just okay. to, just to close though, I, I do want to talk about bada bing for just a second. Sure. There's actually when we say bada bing, bada boom, most Americans picked it up from Sonny in the movie Godfather, right? Yeah. Most of, most of us didn't even know it. I'm not even sure that it was in the original book that Puzo wrote. I I. I don't know. I, I've written a little bit about this, but I didn't look that up. I'll tell you, though, it's actually two separate phrases that have come together in that, in that phrase. Really? Yeah. Bada bing is one, and bada boom is another. And Get they kind of either. go together, and they, do, they serve the same purpose. But bada bing, we can trace to 1972. But bada boom, we can chase to 1957. And they are both distinctly Italian-American.
8: Wow. That's amazing. And, and is it is it what I think it is? Like, bada bing, it just happened? Like, it just appeared in front of me? Like...
0: Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like um, think about a gunshot or think about a riff on a drum. It's kind of like a ta or a there it is or a voila.
8: Bada bing, that's great. All
0: right. Well, Thomas, we've covered a lot of ground here and I hope uh, we've done some justice to these big issues that you wanted to, to address.
8: You have. You absolutely have, you know, and I thank you guys very much for addressing this for me. And um, by all means, uh, you know, I work at a big hospital and Everyone in this entire hospital is going to hear this show, and (laughs) hopefully it will turn them on to be regular listeners.
1: Wow.
0: There will be be miracles in the critical care ward. Absolutely, indeed. (laughs) Thomas,
1: that sounds like an offer we can't refuse. (laughs)
8: Oh, thank (laughs) you. uh, Thanks a lot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot for calling.
8: Allison, have a great weekend. Okay, take care. All
1: right, take care of
0: yourself. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. We welcome calls about all kinds of language in the United States, including the dialect of people who are from somewhere else. That's actually some of the stuff that we enjoy getting into the most. Love so we welcome it. your calls about the language that your parents and your grandparents spoke. Give us a ring, one 929 9673 And you can send us emails. Take as long as you want to write it out, and we'll read everything. Words at waywardradio.org.
1: Hello. You have a way with words.
9: Hello. This is William from Fort Worth, Texas.
1: Hello, Hi, William. William. How are things in Fort Worth?
9: Good. Nice weather today.
1: Yeah. All right. What's up?
9: Well, uh, your recent show on family terms brought to mind the phrase that my mother and her mother always used, and it was second joint. And that's what they called the thigh of the chicken.
1: Oh, the thigh of the chicken.
9: And as long as uh, I was a child and throughout the years, they always referred to it that way, and I had never heard anybody else refer to it that way. Until one day I caught a very old cooking show on PBS featuring Justin Wilson,
0: the Cajun chef, the Cajun cook. Ah, What did he call himself? Exactly. He was like, "You put a little onion in there, and you put a little wine." He always like poured lots of wine in there. (laughs) I guarantee.
9: I guarantee. Put it onion in there, a little
0: wine in
9: there. Yeah, and he also referred to the thigh as the second joint. Oh interesting mm-hmm. And uh, I had never heard anybody outside of my family use that term
1: That's always a thrill, isn't it, or startling when you hear something like that?
9: yeah, and it brought back all those memories of wow, that's our family word. Where did that How did you get a hold of that
0: and so uh, does your family hail from Texas? your your mother and your grandmother are from Texas? Yes, as they well? were from
9: the Houston area mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
9: so which made me think, well, maybe it's a regionalism.
1: Mm-hmm. Texas
0: and Louisiana, then. Yeah,
1: I have never heard that. Grant, have you? I mean, besides oh, yes. the, the Cajun yeah. guy. Yeah,
0: we didn't use it in my family, but I know this from—don't um, laugh at me—from reading the Dictionary of American Regional English as uh, <laughs> <it's> a pastime. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's nobody. Else, everybody's like, "Well, of course, you big goober." Um, <laughs> you know what, William? It's in there. It's in there. The Dictionary of American Regional English. When when they sent out their questioners in the 1960s, a lot of a lot of words came back that had to do with food. And they were able to, not only in their survey, get a lot of people who said it from around the country. It's not regional, really. It seems to be used just a little bit everywhere by somebody. Hmm. But they were able to do a little digging in books and take it back to the 1850s. So it's out some history, too. However, I know for a fact that it's a little older than that still. You can find it in cookbooks uh, from the 1820s, second joint meaning thigh. Uh Now, why they called it that, I've got two two ideas for you. The first one is that the second joint on the, on the leg of a chicken kind of corresponds to our knee, right? Either it's the second joint away from the body or the second joint up from the foot. Right. But the theory I like better, and the reason I remember this entry about second joint from the Dictionary of American Regional English is that there's one of the citations in there where they've quoted a person that they, you know, they spoke to her, they interviewed her, and she said that she thought that the reason that they called it second joint in her family is because it was a little improper to use the word thigh.
1: Ah. Oh, really?
0: Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but I have known some people in my time where certain words were off limits because they might refer to something that was a little too intimate on the on the human body. It's and my punsing. grandmother
9: was a proper southern lady. Oh, was she now?
1: Uh-huh. William, did your grandmother have a word for the tail part, you know, the kind of fatty part?
9: Oh, yes. That's the Parson's
1: nose. The Parson's nose. Very good. Have you heard that uh, one, Grant?
0: Yep. As a matter of fact, so isn't it sometimes called the Pope's nose?
1: Sometimes the Pope's nose, so sometimes the Parson's nose, and I love the term for this in French. Oh, I don't know that one. It's le soleiless, which means only a silly person won't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing your family sitting around eating Parson's noses and second joints.
9: Yes, well, I guess everybody has uh, lots of terms for food because they're so important. Indeed. Yeah.
0: Well, William, have we, uh, we've we given you a little bit of history for the term. We showed you that it's not just in your family. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be regional like you guessed, but that's okay. You'll find that there are plenty of other people that know the term, too.
7: Well, that's
9: good because uh, it's it's been a long time since I'd heard anybody use it.
0: All right. Well, cool. thank you so much for your call, sir. Thank you for taking my call. All, All
1: right. Bye-bye. All right.
0: Best Goodbye. of luck. Well, Martha, you know, he has made me hungry. I was thinking of my mom's fried chicken. She does some good stuff with chicken, and my father's mashed potatoes all buttered oh, up. Oh, oh. Mm.
1: Oh, we're um. talking about Sunday lunch here
0: or dinner. <laughs> you, Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> you and I have a food problem. We welcome your recipes and your pictures of fried chicken to words at waywardradio.org. And we'll take your calls about language, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three.
1: Well, that's our show. But if you're pondering a point of grammar or you're curious about a word, leave us a phone message anytime, night or day. The number's 1-877-929-9673.
0: Or send us an email to words at waywardradio.org. We read everything. And check out the conversations on our discussion forum. That's at waywardradio.org slash discussion.
1: Our senior producer is Stephanie Levine. Tim Felton is our technical director and editor.
0: We've had production help this week from Dana Polakowski and Michael Bagdasian.
1: Away with Words is produced at Studio West in San Diego. I'm Martha Barnett.
0: And I'm Grant Barrett, inviting you to join us next time. That's right here on Away with Words. I
1: like potato, you like tomato, and I like tomato, potato,
0: potato, tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. But
5: oh, if we call the whole thing off, then we must part. And oh, if we ever part, then that might break my heart.